0: So I'm glad you're here today. My name is Daniel. I'm the pastor, or one of the pastors, Pastor Austin. Yep, I'm one of the pastors here uh, at Connection. Um, I'm glad you're here to join us today. So join me in the book of Acts. Acts chapter 11, uh, excuse me, Acts chapter 12. Uh, We did 11 last week. We're going through the book of Acts. The reason we started this is because we had an emphasis on the role of the Holy Spirit in the church. And what I would encourage all of us today is this, that we need to make sure that we go back to the authenticity of Christianity. You know, they, you know, we're so easily dependent on you know, phones, technology, the, maybe even a schedule and calendaring things and making sure we have life held on, uh, you know, we're holding on tightly to life and not just um, allowing it to take us where it wants to go. Uh, those things are fine, those are good for productivity, but when it comes to your faith... Your dependency needs to be only on the Spirit of God. Obviously, the Word of God, too. But I'm talking about this, how the Word of God is activated through our lives to live out our faith. It has to be 100% dependent on the Holy Spirit. And that's kind of old school. It's going back to the way it was. And uh, I had an interesting moment yesterday thinking of old school. Uh, Now I'm able to ride my bike again because it's warm again. Thank you. The Lord, seriously, I love this warm weather. So I've been riding the bike again and building up my strength. And, and yesterday I decided I was going to go across the Queensboro Bridge, which if you've ever ridden a bike across that, it's, it's uphill both ways, right? <laughs> it, it really is tough both ways on that. And it's very narrow as well. So I thought, I'm going to do it. I can make it. I'll be fine. And as I start to go up, I'm thinking, you know, this is great exercise, but it's going to be really tough. But I'm going to do it the old way with Pedals. And then a very New York moment happened. As soon as I get on the bridge, it starts to go up. This guy on an electric bike, wearing all kinds of hoodies and stuff. I mean, I'm wearing just this T-shirt and shorts because it's hot, right? And he's got a mask on. He's also smoking a big, fat doobie, all right? <laughs> and he goes past me like a chimney you know, uh, uh, on, on a train. And I'm like, how New York is that? I'm just getting passed up by a guy smoking a doobie, and I'm, I'm trudging up the old-fashioned way. Uh, I feel like I owe him some money as much smoke as he blew on me, too, but uh, we'll, we'll settle that later. <laughs> but I was like, what a New York moment that is, that, uh, you know, I'm trying to do things the old-fashioned way, and somebody just kind of shows me up. And if I'm not careful, I would think, he's going faster, and maybe having a better time. <laughs> and so, uh, that's a joke. You can laugh. And uh, <laughs> Thank you, Dave. Um, and so, you want do, doing things the hard way you can make, maybe feel like you're, there's a better way out there, but doing things the old way. And in Christianity, we want to make sure that we're not doing it the old way necessarily, but the real way. The real pedals, the real drive, the real force of our faith is the Spirit of God moving in our lives. How dependent, how active is the Holy Spirit in your life? Or are you dependent on just following X, Y, Z? In chapter 12 of of Acts, we see a very powerful story. And again, as we go through big chunks of this, there's going to be a lot of things left in here that we could talk about. But I'm going to focus on just this today. Keep pedaling. That's the word. Keep pedaling. Keep pedaling. Keep moving forward. God's going to come through. This section is is where Peter is thrown into prison, and we're going to read through it. So join me in Acts Acts chapter 12. Peter's thrown into prison, and there's a very dramatic story that happens here. It was about the time, in verse 1, it was about this time that King Herod arrested some who belonged to the church intending to persecute them. He had James, the brother of John, put to death with the sword. So we have already seen the persecution of the church is happening. There are real consequences for them following Jesus. Jesus is the way. We talked about that too. And so there's this newfangled way that people are starting to follow, and it's really angering the the established Jewish uh, religion. It's uh, those who are in power. And so he Herod is is putting them to death. And when he saw in verse three that this met with approval among the Jews, he proceeded to seize also. So Herod is, is not motivated by being a religious zealot like Paul was, right? You know, Paul, Saul, same person. You know, Saul was religiously zealous is to go out and to eradicate this cult from God's pure religion. That was his motivation. Herod's is not. Herod's is like a political alignment. He sees benefit to this. And it's so easy to see in our world today, too, that it's easy for us to align with someone for our benefit. It meets with the approval of people, right? I mean, our whole social media is based on getting likes, right? Right? And so getting all these things, what is it we are doing to align ourselves with And So many conversations, too, we can have our are built to get us to align with a certain party or a certain affiliation or a certain group so that we can feel better about ourselves. Like right now, in this moment, I feel better about myself because the Razorbacks won last night. I think that is awesome. (laughs) So sometimes it's it's cool, right? And so you have this uh, on the bad side of things, though, is you start to feel better about yourself because you align with this entity and not only do you feel better about yourself but what happens to your view of the other people on the other side you feel superior to them don't you well i'm glad i'm not like them so that's really anti-christian we shouldn't be feeling better about ourselves at the expense of anyone else if anything the cross levels the playing field and says we all are in the we are all 100% dependent on the grace of god so i don't feel superior to anyone. I don't feel like anyone is inferior. But we have this approval, this, this seeking of approval that that all of us have from a little baby is we want that approval. We want mom to smile and You do it too. Every time you go walk past the baby, what do you try to make that baby do? Smile, right? It's just a connection. And so there's nothing necessarily wrong with that either. There's nothing wrong with making a baby smile for sure. <laughs> Stop making baby smile, folks. Uh, that, was, that was a joke. <laughs> And so um, there's nothing wrong with that. But if we're not careful, that can be the driving fuel for our faith and for our lives. That is where we miss it. So he's meeting with the approval of the Jews. So he proceeded to seize Peter also. And this happened during the festival of the unleavened bread, which is a big festival that they had. After arresting Peter, he put him in prison, handing him over to uh, to be guarded by four squads of four soldiers each. And Herod intended to bring him out for public trial after the Passover. So they were waiting until the days happened because he didn't want to do it during those religious uh, days because that would have been uncouth and that would have not been met with approval. So he was waiting to make this big spectacle. And I was just, can't help but think that as Peter is arrested, all right? So actually, let's keep going. Uh, verse 5. I'll, I'll get that thought in a second. So Peter was kept in prison, but the church was earnestly praying for, uh, to God for Peter. The night before Herod was to bring him to trial, so Peter, Peter knew what was going to happen. He knew the plan. And he was going to go to trial, and what do you think was going to happen to him? He was going to be killed. He wasn't going to trial to, to experience a fair trial with a jury of his peers. He was going to be sentenced to death. And so the night before Herod was to bring him to trial, Peter was sleeping between the two soldiers. And just imagine for a moment that you're Peter, okay? You're, the next day you're going to trial the next day you're going to be executed. The fear, the trepidation you probably have, and not only that, but Jesus had told you back in John chapter 20, uh, 21, uh, he he tells Peter, do you love me? He says, of course you know I love you. Do you love me? Yes, Jesus, you know I love you. Peter, do you love me? And he was even hurt by that. like, of course. Don't you know that I love you? And so he says, you know, he tells him to feed my sheep and and he says, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted, but when you were old, you will stretch out your hands and someone will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. And then John expounds upon that and says, Jesus said this to indicate what kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. And then he told Peter, after he says, you're going to have a gruesome death, and then he says these two words to him, he says, Peter, follow me. <laughs> it's going to cost you your life. That when you are younger, you dress like you wanted to do. You may even choose to wear skinny jeans, Peter. I don't know. But when you're older, you're not going to have any of these choices. It's going to be taken away from you, and you're going to be killed in a very terrible way. And then Peter does what I think we all would have done. He looks over at John. He's like, well, what about John? Is he going to die this way, too? And he's like, don't worry about anybody else. You, Peter, follow me. You know, that would, that's a whole sermon in and of itself, isn't it? Many times we look around and we say, Man, their life's easier. Their life's better. I wish I had this. I wish I had that. Or maybe even envy steps in and you're like, I deserve this more than they do. And God is saying, Don't worry about what I'm doing in the lives of other people right now. You have a choice to follow me. And that's a question we have to answer every day. Am I going to follow Jesus wherever he wants me to go? So Peter is having no doubt that's part of his mindset in this moment. He knows one day this is going to happen. And so the night before he's going to trial, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers bound with two chains. This is verse 6. And sentries stood guard at the entrance. So there's, it's a lockdown, okay? Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared and a light shone in the cell. He struck Peter on the side and said, Peter, get up quickly. He, he said, and the chains fell off Peter's wrists They just fell off miraculously. So the angel said to him, put on your clothes and your sandals, and Peter did so, and he, wrap your cloak around you and follow me. The angel told him, Peter followed him out of the prison. And I like this part. He had no idea that the angel, was what the angel was doing was really happening. Like Sometimes, you know, we don't know what God's doing at all right now. There's, there's parts of my life where I'm like, God, I don't see how you're working in this right now. I don't see it, but by faith I'm going to trust you are. But he was having a real moment of feeling like this was a vision. It explains that he, he was, thought he was seeing a vision, which makes sense because we just talked about a couple weeks ago well, this big vision Peter had, right? So visions were very common for him. So they passed through the first and second guards and came to the iron gate leading to the city. It opened up by itself, and they went through the gate. When they had walked the length of one street, I think it was a long block or a short block. New Yorkers will get that one, right? I think it was one short block. Suddenly, the angel left him. Like, he got me out, and then he's gone. Then Peter came to himself and he said, Now I know without a doubt that the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me from Herod's clutches and everything the Jewish people were hoping would happen. He woke up. He was aware. This is not a vision. This is really happening. I, when I was 11 years old, uh, I'm from Arkansas too, by the way. I don't know if you guys knew that. i got some Arkansas folks here, a lot of you. Um, and so I was 11 years old, and my brother and I were so excited because my dad was restoring a pool table. And th- Now, for my entire life at this point, this pool table had been... Just the underneath part of it, the, what's it called, slate? Is that what it is? We're going to call it slate, all right? And so this big, you know, just kind of a, a, a core, not metal, but like a rock, all right? And so my mom would do sewing projects on top of it. That's all it was. I didn't even know it was a pool table. I just thought it was a weird-looking table my mom did sewing stuff on. So I found out it was going to do that. So my brother and I kept going into town while it was being uh, refinished and uh Started playing pool at the, the pool hall there. And we were on our way one, one day, and we got into a wreck. And it was a bad wreck. And I was 11, he was 17 at the time. And it flipped over, we hit a tree. The tree on the passenger side, which is where I was sitting, actually uh, is where when we flipped, we hit the tree right on the door. And the, the, the whole seat was Smashed. I mean, if I'd been wearing... It's one of those rare times where if you'd been wearing a seatbelt, you would have been killed. I'd been crushed by it. But back then, I won't tell you exactly... Well, I can tell you, what, 11, I'm 44, 30, 33 years ago. Good night, I'm getting old. Uh, 33 years ago, this happened. And so, uh, you know, people didn't wear seatbelts back then. I mean, we rode in the back of the truck and, you know, threw cans at signs. <laughs> Sorry, I still do that. No, I'm kidding. Um, and so, um, I wasn't wearing a seatbelt and. We had the wreck, and I woke up in the floorboard, and it was really weird. The, like the wreck, if you've ever been in something like that, it feels kind of like a bad dream, time standing still. It's just like a vision almost. not real. And then finally, we, we have to crawl out of the back of the truck. The back glass is missing. We crawl out, jump out, and get you know, away from the truck. And then my brother's talking to me. He's like, are you okay? Are you okay? And then finally, I woke up from the vision. I was like, we just had a wreck, didn't we? and he's like uh yeah. <laughs> yeah that's a dumb question and so it's just like one of those moments where this traumatic thing and i think for peter how traumatic it must have been for him to be rescued from certain death like this can't really be happening and then finally he awakes, he's like god save me i'm alive everything that they were trying to do to me didn't happen When when this had dawned on him in verse 12, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, also called Mark, where many people had gathered and were praying, and and Peter knocked at the outer entrance. And a servant named Rhoda came to answer the door. When she recognized Peter's voice, she was so overjoyed, she ran back without opening the door. She got so excited, she left Peter outside and went back to tell people, Peter's at the door. And I was like, why don't, you, why don't you let me in? I can, I can tell them that. And so she goes, she goes out and they're like, you're out of your mind. They told her, like, he, he's not here. But she kept insisting, she kept pedaling. That's the word I'm talking about here. She just kept insisting, she kept pedaling. Yes, he's here, he's here. And They said, "Well, it's probably an angel, so we so often we dismiss God's work in our lives, if we're not careful. Well, we pray for healing, and they have healing, but you know, that was because of medicine and because of the procedures or whatever. Wait a second. why don't we stop and give God the credit for the healing? Why don't we stop and give God the credit? There are no circumstances. There's God's working around us. There are not mere circumstances, but there is a sovereign God who's orchestrating around us. He's at work right now in your life. Keep insisting. Well, it must be his angel. But Peter kept on knocking. He kept pedaling. He kept knocking. He's like, I'm coming in. And when they opened the door and they saw him, they were astonished as well they should be. This is a miraculous thing. So Peter motioned his hand for them to be quiet, probably like this. (laughs) I don't know if that's what he did or not. That's that's extra biblical. Um, And so he motioned his hand for them to be quiet and described how the Lord had brought him out of prison. What a great story to tell. Here's what happened. And we have that story recorded here as well. And he says, tell James, and this is a different James, not the one who was killed. uh, Tell James and the other brothers and sisters about this, he said. And then he left for another place. In the morning there was no small commotion among the soldiers as to what had become of Peter. after Herod, remember the king, after Herod had a thorough search made for Peter and did not find him, he cross-examined the guards and ordered that they be executed. You'll see uh, later on where there's another escape and the guard is about to, to kill himself because Paul gets away. And he's like, no, 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 or can get away. He's like, don't do that, don't do that. We're still here, we're still here. Because if you were guarding, your, your life was at stake. And so if you had them get away, then you would, it would cost you your life. Pretty harsh stuff, right? Can you imagine them trying to explain what happened? An impossible miracle? It's absurd. It's absurd. It's it's crazy that this would happen. It's inexplicable. Yet God did that. So I don't know where you are in your life today. But I would imagine we're probably not where Peter was. Where... Certain death is looming for us tomorrow, and we know it because of our faith in Jesus. Peter remained faithful, even in the midst of this terrible time. His faith was in God. The church remained faithful to him. They were praying. They were praying for God to rescue him. And guess what God did? He rescued him. They kept peddling. They kept pursuing. They kept on knocking. They kept going to the Lord. They kept seeking the Lord's intervention in this. They were trusting in the Holy Spirit of God. And that's the same prescription you and I have for today. Don't give up on God. Don't give up on what He's doing. And don't dismiss His action when He does move in your life. Give Him all the praise. Like the song we sang earlier, every praise is due to our God. We owe Him every praise. Every word, every... Breath that we have is an opportunity for us to give God what He deserves. And that's His praise. That's our, our praise for Him. He will come through. He will answer your prayer. And you may be like Peter in the midst of a vision where you're not believing what God's doing is real. And you may be in a different type of season where you're, God's working and it doesn't feel like it because it seems like everything's going wrong and there's too many challenges. When those seasons remember this, God is strengthening you in those moments. He's always teaching us something. He's always allowing us to to get a glimpse into His own heart, to identify with Him and His sufferings, to understand how great His love truly is for us. So keep pedaling. Keep knocking. Keep going to the Lord because He will never let you down. Ultimately, He will bring you that rescue. Amen? Amen. Will you pray with me? Father, I want to uh, bless you and in just your holy name, how wonderful you are as a good, faithful, kind, majestic, holy, righteous Father. Lord Jesus, we thank you so much for the, the way that you have proven yourself faithful. And Lord, we ask that you would move in our hearts in this moment. I don't know how you plan to, to move in each one of our lives, there's often times I, I don't even know what you're trying to do in my own life, Lord, much less than anyone else's. But Lord, I do know these things, that, that you do love us immeasurably. And we know that your love for us was so great and is so great that you gave your very life for us. So we praise you for that. Lord, we know that you love us and you're working your plan. You will finish the work that you've started in us. And so, Lord, I pray that would bring comfort to us. And I also, Lord, ask that we would surrender our lives to the Holy Spirit every moment. That we would be yielding to You and saying, Your will be done in my life. Fill me to overflowing. Lord, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I bless everyone here today. I bless them with your, Your love, with Your favor. May they know that they are beloved. That your heart is inclined toward them. In the name of Jesus I pray. Amen.